0: Warning, this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Due to the graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. Welcome from wherever you are. This is the Demon Inside Podcast. I'm your host, John Benham. If you would like to review another episode of the Demon Inside, you can go to Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and any podcast platform. And please... Don't forget to subscribe and rate us with five stars. A new episode will come out once a week. right back after a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to The Demon Inside. Hello my Demon Insiders and welcome back to The Demon Inside. I am your host John Venom and today we are going to be talking about The Demon Inside, Dina Schlosser. Before I start, I want to send out a message to Mars. Uh, Mars is a demon insider who sent me a message saying that she couldn't hear the last three episodes uh, because the music was a little too loud. I apologize so much for that. Uh, For those of you that listen to my podcast like right away the day of... Uh, I'm so sorry that it came out that way. I'm glad you let me know. I went ahead and made adjustments to those three. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to it or you didn't hear it right, go ahead and go back and listen to those. I fixed what I hope I fixed the sound. Uh, Just let me know. I really do appreciate the feedback. So with that, thank you so much. And let's continue with the Demon Inside Dina Schlosser. Dina lived with her husband, John, and three daughters in an apartment in Plano, Texas. The girls aged six, nine, and Maggie was ten months. So the other two girls, I couldn't get the names, probably because they're underage, but Maggie was the victim here. So I just want to let you know before I continue forward, discretion is advised, and... This is a warning that if you can't handle something like this, you shouldn't be listening to this. Or at least skip over it, because it gets kind of graphic. So in January 2004, Dina, giving birth to Maggie, after a couple of weeks, attempted suicide. She cut her wrist with a pair of scissors. Of course, we've heard of this before with postpartum depression. Texas Child Protective Services were called to the home after Dina was seen running down the street from an apartment later on in the week, saying that a spirit was in her apartment. Her five-year-old daughter was on her bicycle chasing her. When police and Child Protective Services asked the child uh, what was going on, the child told them her mother had left their Six day old baby sister alone in the apartment. And of course, Dina appeared at the time to be suffering from postnatal depression and seemed to be having a psychotic episode, said Marissa Gonzalez of Child Protective Services. She was then investigated for neglect, and at the time, Dina was hospitalized for a few days. Her other two daughters were released to their father, who told authorities Dina had been acting strangely since the birth of the third child. Once she was released from the hospital, Dina agreed to seek counseling and see a psychiatrist. Ms. Gonzalez said caseworkers continued to visit the family through the spring and summer and the case was closed August 9, 2004. And Ms. Gonzalez said, and I quote, There were never any indications of violence in this family. The children had always been healthy, happy, and cared for. End quote. Ms. Gonzalez said child protection officers were interviewing the Schlosters, their other children, the two girls, and would talk to their father before deciding whether to remove the children from the home. Neighbors said she seemed to be loving and an attentive mother. When John was asked questions by the caseworker, he lacked emotion at that time. He, reported, he repeatedly told the caseworker that the situation was in God's hands and everything would work out. The day before the baby's death, the couple argued in the parking lot of their church because Dina said she wanted to give their youngest daughter, Maggie, to God. According to the couple's six-year-old daughter, she said that her father spanked her mother with a wooden spoon for not listening to him. The couple then talked about a Bible passage in which a woman promises her baby to God. John said the conversation was not unusual because his wife is, and I quote, very religious, but often misinterprets scriptures. The couple prayed about it and consulted their minister, who told Dina she was misinterpreting the Bible and said he thought the problem was solved. John said she had bouts with depression after the birth of their other two daughters, And because of that, he didn't worry too much or take her to counseling. He also said with prayer, they would get past it. Dean and John were devoted followers of Pastor Doyle Davidson. So Doyle Davidson is pretty much a cult leader. He calls himself the disciple. This guy, I feel, and I probably will, give him his own demon inside episode. So let's continue on from Doyle. So Mrs. Livingston, a mother from the school where Dina's children went, said she had seen Dina making her rounds with the stroller on Monday, then saw her again on Friday waiting with her baby outside the school for the older kids to come out. She didn't, and I quote, this is Mrs. Livingston, she didn't give off like she was in a distant world or didn't care about the baby. On November 21st, 2004, Dina seemed oddly euphoric. In a telephone conversation the day before the slaying, she gave no hint of her plans to her mother As she talked to her over the phone, her mother, Connie McCauley said, and I quote, she was euphoric and it bothered me a little. McCauley said she wasn't herself. On November 22nd, 2004, Dina called 911. The operator asked Dina if there was an emergency. Dina calmly responded, yes. Exactly what happened, the operator asked. Dina responded, I cut off her arms. As she was calling 911 and as she was telling the 911 operator this, in the background played a hymn from church. Police found Dina covered in blood and holding a knife while listening to a church hymn. Her clothes were covered in blood and the baby lay in her crib in the back bedroom. Dina told police she was responsible for the baby's injuries, but declined to elaborate, police said. They did not say whether investigators recovered a knife or another weapon. It doesn't appear to be accidental. Both arms were completely severed. Police officer Carl Duke said, She was not talking when she left here. She was very quiet and subdued. Plano police said the child's injuries were horrifying. And I quote, I've never had to face anything like this before. And frankly, I'd never want to. My sympathies go out to the family and to the first responders on the scene. End quote, said Detective Brian Wood. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to The Demon Inside. Now it's time for the uber shoutout out of the week. For those of you that don't know, I drive Uber as well as other jobs and when I get these people into my car I uh, sometimes talk to them about my podcast if they ask or if it comes up this week I had Gracie in my car which was a lovely young woman Uh, she was going home from her boyfriend's and she was very kind of hesitant to talk to me and I understand because I'm an older man and she's a younger girl and you know, there's a lot of weirdos in this world. and But when we started talking about the podcast, uh, it really got intense. Uh, she actually was 100% into it. She um, started following me right there and then. And we had a nice little conversation of what little we had left while we were doing the trip. Uh, I wish we would have started talking like a lot sooner, but... You know, it was it was a very nice trip. Thank you, Gracie, for that. And uh, she was very hesitant about me saying her name. But right at the end, she told me her name. So thank you for that. So she's the only one that I had in my Uber shout outs. But dear listeners, I got my first email. And I know as a podcaster, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say that you have such a big following and all these people. I really don't. <laughs> and I, I'm going to be honest with you. And so this was actually my first. And it, it was just, man, I bragged to all my friends and family and everything. So I'm going to read that to you right now. I got her permission and she said, yeah, it's fine. So she writes, hello, John, avid listener here. My name is Aaron. I stumbled across your podcast and have listened to every single episode. I have no clue why demons and abnormal psychology fascinates me so much. It always has, and I feel your idea of combining the supernatural and true crime together is just genius. There definitely is a correlation. We live in two worlds, the spiritual and the natural world. Where did you get most of your research on the different demons out there? I've studied as much as I can on exorcisms and demonology and it's hard to find concrete research on it. I am a Christian and when I bring the subject up to my pastor or others in the church, they look at me like I am insane or avoid the subject at all. I just wanted to write to let you know I appreciate all you do in sharing your findings. Keep it up. Sincerely, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, You are a true demon insider and I love it. Thank you. So a lot of my uh, ideas and things that I get are just following the clues for the cases that I work and I try to follow like the types of crime for instance uh you know with the biting of the face you know um I tried to find what animal uh bites people in the face because demons usually have that a trait like we do with primal uh animals and things like that and I found that the monkey and then uh it was in Florida so for me it was a demon that uh I found on the internet actually and all I did was put uh, monkey plus water plus demon and it popped right up believe it or not and I try not to just you know uh, go with the first thing that I find because a lot of gamers play uh, these demon games and it's hard to distinguish which ones are real and which ones are not so I actually try to find uh, little statues from AD or BC you know like way before uh, we've been around or uh, paintings things like that of that nature before video games came along so when I find stuff like that I know it's a little bit more truthful uh, it's a little bit more accurate and the reason people don't like talking about demons and, and for me this is one of those things that I, I think that by talking about demons, you're not giving them power, you're taking their power away, you're showing people that they're real, you're telling them that I know your name, I know who you are, and you're not welcome here, but people see it like this show as me giving them power, and that's not my intent. And you got to remember this quote that I heard one time, a long time ago, and it makes sense. It's the greatest trick the devil has ever played on mankind is that he does not exist. And I would think that a church would want you to know that demons, devils, you know, genies, whatever you want to call them. They exist, and they're out to do harm, and they're out to hurt everybody. Let's continue back with the episode. I couldn't imagine Dina doing something like this. Her mother said, Macaulay said, she never did anything wrong. Macaulay, who has advanced Parkinson's disease said she fears for Schlosser's, for Dina's, and is devastated she can't be with her. The feeling of not being able to see her again is hard. I'm very ill, and she'll be incarcerated, says Macaulay. I don't think what she did was right, but I love her, and I don't want to see her hurt. She's just a gentle soul. McCullough also goes on and says that she does not want her son-in-law to get the couple's six-year-old or nine-year-old daughter, claiming he was, a little pay- he was a little impatient for them and is not stable. The girls are in foster care while authorities determine if John Schlosser failed to protect them from their mother. So, John has declined interviews. His attorney, Howard Shapiro, said there was no reason John should not have custody of his children. Dina, of course, remains jailed, but is improving with antipsychotic medication. Her attorney has said, meanwhile, the legal team defending Dina is looking into her association with a non-denominational church and its leader, Doyle Davidson. Here we go with Doyle Davidson again. A self-proclaimed prophet, believing it resembles a coat. Davidson has rejected cult accusations and other claims of impropriety. Her mother goes on to say, I have Parkinson's and she couldn't depend on me. She says, he could give her all the answers and she needed them. The husband of a woman accused of killing her 10-month-old baby by cutting off her arms should have sought medical treatment for his mentally ill wife and done more to protect the infant and her older sisters, according to the psychologist's report. Dina was charged with capital murder. John, her husband, showed a disturbing lack of emotion following his baby's death and his wife's arrest. Psychologist Jenna R. Long, who evaluated him to help determine whether his surviving daughters should live with him, said in the report obtained by the Morning News, nevertheless, a judge ruled Friday that he can have sole custody of his surviving children. Judge Cynthia Wheelis also issued a gag order in the case which means they're not allowed to talk about it. John regained custody of the girls last month under the condition that his sister live with the family. The arrangement was reviewed Friday, and the sister, who lives in New York, will leave February 17th. She will stay in daily phone contact with the children. This absence of grief is either an immature denial of normal human emotions that hover under the surface of his controlled veneer or indicates a true lack of emotion, Long wrote in her report, which a judge sealed last month. Long said John told her he felt a little melancholy about the baby's death, but finds comfort that she is praising God in heaven. He said, he was almost done being very sad when I buried her. Doyle Davison, the couple's minister, said he never talked with them about Dina, Dina's interpretation of the Bible. The minister had such a hold on them that when Dina called John to tell him about the baby, when she called about chopping off the baby's arms, he first called the church daycare. They, the daycare called 911, and then the 911 called Dina. So these people had a hold on this couple, on John and Dina. And that's why I want to give them a show of their own. But we're talking about Dina right now. So Dina Schlosser, this was on November 22nd, 2004, that she killed her child. And it was struck a resemblance to Adi Sanchez and to Deja Watkins. And I started reading up again because I did those two stories last season on Adi Sanchez and DeAsia Watkins. And both were talking about saving the world and demons and God and sacrificing their kid. And both of them, I mean, it's gruesome, but... Both of them killed their kids by stabbing them to death. Uh, so I started looking up the dates. With Dina Schlosser on November 22nd, 2004, to Adi Sanchez, July 26th, 2009, it was four years, eight months. From Adi Sanchez to DeAsia Watkins, March 16 2015, it was Five years, eight months. So I started thinking, could there be a six years, eight months, which would be November of 2021? What I found was November 19, 2021. Leanna Jean Garbdipe also addressed the court and tried to explain her tragic actions and how she was trying to keep them safe. By brutally murdering her kids she said and I quote I did not hurt my kids for any other reason other than I did not want them to get hurt by anyone else I felt like I had to protect them forever because I felt like we were not safe I was supposed to die with them she reportedly said I love them more every day my life revolved around them. I wouldn't have had it any other way. I always knew how to ask for help besides this time. Gardipe added, they visit me in my dreams, so I know they are okay. It makes me feel good to see them. I miss them every day. guardi told the dispatcher that she stabbed the children that morning on her bed using a knife. ...and requested medical help... ...claiming she heard one of her children... ...making noises. I was supposed to die today... ...she said on the 911 call. Deputies found the children... ...in a bedroom... ...tucked into bed sheets. They had suffered... ...lacerations to their throats... ...and other injuries... ...including defensive wounds... ...to their hands and fingers. They were declared dead. Investigators found... ...a bloody serrated steak knife under the bed and a pool of blood in the three-year-old girl's bedroom. They found a letter in the bedroom where they found the children, officials said. And this is what it said. It was the only way we all wouldn't burn. Now I'm the only one that will. I told my daughter about this, my daughter Anastasia. And she's a pretty good investigator. When I did bounty hunting, she would help me do investigations. And she decided she wanted to look further back. So we started with the four-year, eight-months, five-year, eight-months, six-year, eight-months. So the next one down, if we go back, would be three years, eight-months. We were looking for a significant something. We were trying to find a mother... That killed her kids with a knife. Who was trying to save the world. What we found was something that I could never imagine. We went back three years, eight months. And found a significant day. March 12, 2001. And maybe it's coincidence but three years, eight months, four years, eight months, five years, eight months, six years, eight months to the day, to the letter. It doesn't seem coincidental to me. As an ex-cop, nothing is coincidental. So let me explain before I tell you what I found. I believe demons are going from person to person and this specific demon started somewhere had to have. And for me, it started March 12th, 2001 jumping from person to person because before that this demon was hosted in a man that I feel was a serial killer who even though lied about all the crimes that he committed, he in fact killed his mother by stabbing her 26 times with a knife stabbing her. I think this demon was inside of Henry Lee Lucas and Henry Lee Lucas died March 12th, 2001. Three years, eight months. You decide what you think is coincidence. What is a pattern? And what is a demon? Thanks for listening, guys. See y'all next week. don't forget to subscribe to the demon inside podcast on any podcast platform a new episode of the demon inside will be released every week let us know what you think of the episode on all our social media platforms if you have any questions or comments go to the demon inside podcast at gmail.com or click on the link down below we would love to hear from you and to become a demon insider go to our website the We thank you for listening, and hope you will join us next week for a new Demon Inside podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends. I am John Venom, and I'll see you next time, if I don't get possessed. The Demon Inside was written and created by James Porter. It is a production of Venomous Entertainment. Background music is by Lucas King. And the title song, Demon Inside, was produced by Rice Prover, composer-lyricist Peter Shelley, and performed by Conjure One.